0: Well, good morning to you all. It's already been a very filling. I, today, I've just so enjoyed worshiping our God and acknowledging His Son, Jesus Christ, as King. And I hope that that resonates in your heart. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Tony. I'm pastor here at LAFC. And it's our pleasure to have you here with us today. And we hope that you find that this place feels like a place of invitation. And uh, so again, we welcome you here. Uh, one of the distinctives uh, of our church, uh, if you will, is that we believe that the authority uh, that we speak by is the Word of God, not, not myself as an authority, the Word of God is. We believe that's where we can find life. And so we teach through that as our primary text and our primary directive. And uh, so we go through series of scripture, and right now we're in a series uh, from out of the book of James, which is one of the 66 books uh, found in the scriptures, and it's towards the back. So I'm gonna ask you now to turn to James. Uh, so if you find the book of Hebrews towards the end of the Bible, uh, you're almost there. It's uh, still to the right of that. You find any uh, of first Peter or Second Peter or the 1st or 2nd or 3rd Johns, you just still gotta go left. Uh, so we'll be there, and uh, you can also utilize the version Bible app, uh, and you can find under the Advanced tab, LEFC, uh, and all the scriptures that will be there. Having said that, so where have we been so far? We began this series out of this letter uh, the beginning of February, and the first several weeks was talking about how do we look at trials with a constructive Joyful anticipation, now none of us like the trials, but is there something that God does through trials that shapes us, molds us, and strengthen us? And the answer is yes. And so for the joy that comes after the trial, we endure the trial trials, uh, tr- trusting and rely upon the work of God in us during that time. Uh, now, over the last couple weeks, we're looking at how the word of God plays a big part of how we understand and know how to live in the midst of trials and just in various other things. Uh, The the issue though at play is, is the word of God something that's truly planted in you? So last week we were looking at verses 19 uh, to 21, and in there it says being slow, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, which sounds like good advice for interpersonal relationships. Yes, being quick to listen uh, with each other, being slow to speak and slow to become angry. And, that, and those are good principles that apply in that context, but it's actually talking about the relationship between us and God. Uh, that with us and God, we should be quick to listen to him, we should be slower to speak, and we should be slow to blame or become angry with him. And that his desire then is through his written word, which is written to us from him to you and I so that we can understand what life can look like. Uh, He wants to see that word planted in us. And so we looked last week, as my father taught last week, that the word of God being planted in us requires being, again, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so the, all of this is to bring about something better in us. So with that being said, we're gonna read last week's text and then go into uh, verse 22 and beyond it to verse 25 to receive the full context of where we're going to be today. So here we are, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly then accept the word planted in you, which then can save you. Do not merely listen to that word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all that they do. So, two weeks ago, in verse 16, it says, Do not be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good, perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows? As part of that text two weeks ago, I gave you this comment about God because it's talking about deception here in verse 16 and it does it again in verse 22. But in verse 16, it's speaking to, there's this human tendency due to the flesh Inside of us. Because again, all of us were born with the propensity to sin. All of us were. And we know from scripture that, that, that sin separates from us from God. It's a rebellion towards God. But God, knowing that that sin earns us death, it's the wage of those acts, creates a path by where that can be reconciled and paid for but through his son, Jesus Christ. But... We like some of our sins. We like to embrace the sinful patterns that are often there with us. And so sometimes when we get into that and we're really enjoying the path and we know that it's not exactly what God would want us to do, we either tend to blame him or we can say he affirms it. And we begin to redefine God. Even though the word of God might say, no, no what you're doing isn't what God says is good for you. In fact, it's sin. Uh, That again, human nature is like, well, if I love God and I love what I'm doing and, and supposedly God doesn't like that, maybe I just don't understand God well enough because I certainly feel like this is right. And so then we start saying, no, I think this is right. And I just misunderstood God. So God actually affirms it. So what ends up happening is through that path through our nature, that deception begins to happen when our flesh then seeks to redefine the truth, and which then ultimately redefines God. Today, we read in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. So there's a second deception he's concerned about, and this deception is this. It happens when we only listen to the word and, that, and think that that is sufficient. We deceive ourselves if we begin to think that just hearing the word of God is sufficient. There's deception in that. So what does it mean to deceive? So let's make sure we understand that clearly. So several different commentarians say different things, so I kinda of brought it together. It's, it's basically to say you cheat yourself from, with false reasoning. You reason yourself away from what is actually true And you convince yourself that what you feel is actually true. That's where deception is. So he's saying that there is a tendency by the church to think that it's fine and sufficient to merely hear the word of God. That is a deception. That is false reasoning. And so one commentarian uh, put it this way. A person who is guilty of this is what he calls a, Sermon sipper. Now, I had to say that slowly because I was afraid I would say something wrong. But a sermon sipper is a sermon junkie who listens to all kinds of sermons through podcasts, live streams, or, or they, they read about other sermons and they're just constantly taking it in, never pausing to actually ask oneself, how does it apply to me? Now, I will say, There is benefit, certainly, to hearing the word of God constantly. But don't deceive yourselves that that is sufficient. God desires for that word that you are hearing to be applied. And so this this deception is like getting a good cup of coffee. And again, I have to take my executive pastor's word for this. Uh, But when he sips on his coffee, he doesn't just sip it and stay with a sip. He finishes the cup. All right? Unlike my daughter who takes my unsweetened tea and empties the pitcher by filling cups, taking a sip and leaving the cup and walking away. And then I have to make a new pitcher of tea. I've been working on this with my daughter now for years and it's not likely to change. She likes iced tea, but I don't, I'm not convinced she actually knows its full capacity and effect it can have. So too is it to simply hear a sermon and say, yeah, I like what I heard, but then never consider what the implications are for your life. That's where deception comes in, when you just hear it and there's nothing else that happens with it because look at the end of verse 22. After saying, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself, do what it says. And that's a progressive doing. It's do it regularly, apply it regularly. So by applying what we have heard from the word, then we will get better understanding of God and we'll get better understanding of faith. So there is the reality that you can just hear and you can hear and you can hear But once you practice something, understanding starts coming. You start understanding why God says to do something. You start understanding why God says not to do something when you put into effect the things that the word of God teaches. Paul speaks to this similarly. In 1 Corinthians chapter eight, he says that knowledge, when it's just knowledge, puffs up, all right? It puffs up. So what that means in the Greek is literally talking about an arrogance that is resistant to correction or questioning. So if you're just hearing something and you're hearing a lot of something and you keep hearing more of it, but there's no application, but you're filling this mind up with a lot of information, then now all of a sudden you're book smart, but your life's stupid. You understand what I mean by that? There are some people that are book smart, but they're life stupid because they've gathered all this information, but they've never tested it to know why it is true or if it is true. And when you treat the Word of God that way, when you just hear it, but there's no application, then you have merely created something where you have a lot of information. And you might even become arrogant by it. And you're uncorrectable. And you're not willing to be questioned. You see, what I find is when somebody hears the word of God and they have applied it, they tend to be much more humble and willing to have uncomfortable conversations about what the implications are of the word of God. People that just study it for studying it more, get really excited about being in a context where they can prove what they know theologically. And all they wanna do is argue theology. But meanwhile, they haven't put it into practice to test that maybe your theology is just a little off. Your interpretation of that scripture is just a little off because you've never applied it. And so you make assumptions about how that text is applied because you've never personally applied it to you. And so that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You can't possibly just know love and be loved. You have to apply love for love to be truly love. And so he says, if you truly love God, you're gonna take that knowledge and you're going to apply it and you're gonna discover why God says, this is the way to go and why these things are things you should avoid. You will know that through knowing and hearing the word of God and applying it. He goes on further, James is a great teacher. Like great teachers can do, They provide illustrations to make the point drill down and be unforgettable. So look at verse 23. After saying, do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately and forgets what he looks like. Now, I'm looking at a fine looking crowd. My guess is almost everybody, if not like, I think I can probably make this, everybody saw a mirror this morning. And maybe, maybe somebody didn't and we could probably tell. (laughs) You're wearing clothes that don't match. Your hair looks like you rolled just out of bed and you didn't realize just how bad it was this morning. We all have our practices when we look into the mirror to prepare ourselves to be presentable before others. So let's consider how one part of God's creation looks at a mirror. Now, okay, just for a moment, if you're new here, This is not normal. (laughs) It's not normal, but I could not pass it up when I saw this video uh, because the reality is none of us like to have others watching us look into the mirror. I mean, we may not even feel comfortable looking into a mirror, but we certainly do not like when others are watching us look into the mirror. Now, I have a mirror up on the stage right now, and quite frankly, I'm not liking it because I can't help but when I look in it, it reveals what you are seeing. And when I look at it and I see what you're seeing, I'm like, I am not the 25 year old version of myself anymore. I'm not shaped like I was then. And for that matter, I'm not even shaped the way I was shaped 12 years ago when I came to LEFC. And so things happen and it reveals truth. It tells me, okay, I've got some work to do this spring, right? We also, when we look in the mirror, we're trying to make sure that we're presentable, that, that when others see us, they're pleased. Mm, looking good. My wife's gonna like this shirt. You know, we do this. We wanna make sure we're presentable. We wanna make sure that it's something acceptable. The problem is is that sometimes the mirror tells us what we don't wanna see. We don't like it. Sometimes it's the most insecure moment of our day. If you don't like who you are, the mirror is very uncomfortable. If you have an inflated ego, it's your favorite point of the day. It's me. The world is blessed because it's me. Regardless, the mirror isn't lying. It tells the truth and we utilize it appropriately to help present, make sure that we're presentable, that we can tell that something that might need to be corrected can be corrected. So too is the word of God. A person who listens to the word and does not apply what it says has become the fool. A person who listens to the Word of God and does not apply it has become the fool. I mean, how else would you describe the person who looks at a mirror and then sees themselves, walks away, and forgets what they look like? Well, that person's a fool if they can't remember what they just saw. The mirror is is that that object that tells us things we need to know. And so too is the word of God. The word of God gives us the the reflection that we need to see, to see what God sees, to see what others might see, so that we can correct those things and address them and go forward. And so if the desire is like verse 21, to see the word of God planted in you, that it's planted, it's not just a, a cursory around you, it is literally planted in you, it defines you, it shapes you, then you need to receive it, hear it, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, receive it and apply it. And then you will understand the beauty of what the mirror can provide. This is like the science lab. You can teach science all you want, but if you have not ever been to the lab, then any information you've received about science is just gonna go away. It's not gonna matter. I, I remember studying in high school about the anatomy of a pig and studying it, taking a test on it, and then we went to the lab and we dissected a pig I can tell you now that I can have vivid memories of the anatomy of a pig when we open it up. I will not forget it. It makes sense to me. I can see that what the book taught me is true and then it gives me an appreciation for it and now it is officially caught. It's been taught, but now it's been officially caught. That's what the lab does. The same is true with the word of God. If we read the word of God and we apply it, then what is taught will become caught. And we will understand it and we'll know it and we'll see it to be true. But if you take away the lab of life, then you're gonna forget anything you've ever been taught. The word of God is just gonna be something that tickled your ears for a day and it's just gonna go away. You see, the word is meant for something that can teach us more about ourselves. Just like the mirror, it teaches us what we can't see otherwise. The word reveals truth and reality about ourselves. It reveals truth and reality about the world around us so that we can know how to engage the world and not be deceived. It gives us the perspective we so desperately need And if you simply just read it and then close the book and walk away, you're missing out on all that it can possibly do in your life. Many of us, many of of you, has spent so much time receiving the word and doing it in fast track, maybe even doing speed reading of scripture, checking the box, closing it, moving on when we would be better off sometimes of just reading a short portion and then letting it reflect upon you and teaching you what you might need to receive. Just last week, I had an interesting moment. (laughs) Excuse me. I was asked to teach Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is one of the most known psalms of all time. How many of you have memorized Psalm 23? And look at that, it's like it's one of the Sunday school things to do when they teach scripture memory. Psalm 23 is one of the first they teach you to memorize. Psalm 23 I've read at funerals, I've read in sermons, I've read in my own personal time, but I have never taught Psalm 23 until last week when asked to do so for a funeral after preparing and when you're teaching something, you can't just glance at a text, you have to go into it. But what I found as I was going into Psalm 23, my heart began to be really engaged with what it was teaching me about the good shepherd. Now my role, the title pastor, actually is another word for shepherd. So naturally, as I'm reading this, I'm beginning to think, you know, if he's the good shepherd and he's the template, am I a shepherd that reflects the good shepherd? And I'll be honest, as I was reflecting upon that, I began to realize there are some things I need to change to be better at as a shepherd. This was letting the word of God not just be read, a very familiar text that has been in my ears multiple times. But now all of a sudden, I'm starting to receive it and and receive it more deeply and begin to consider how to apply. The text will not be the same for me. Psalm 23 will not be the same. The word of God's not meant to be a speed reading course. It's meant to be studied. It's meant to be looked deeply into. It's meant to then be a reflection back on us and say now with what you just read, what does it reveal about you? And what does it reveal about God? And then we let it begin to saturate us. And then it causes us to begin to think, and this is where the Holy Spirit's roar begins to do, to show up where he, is, he authored this through the, the, the direction of God, authored all of this through all the various writers. And then that Holy Spirit's helping us understand and helping us to receive from that word, to understand you need to make some adjustments. So again, don't deceive yourself to think just reading it is sufficient. Do what it says. Don't be that person that looks at the word of God, closes it up, and then immediately walks away forgetting what they read and it had no impact on the day. Look at verse 25. This is how James summarizes all that he's just said from verse 19 down to 25 when he says this, but whoever, looks intently into the perfect law, which is another statement of the word of God. So whoever looks intently into the word of God that gives freedom and then continues in it. In other words, it's not something you just do once. You continue to live it out as it becomes the applied lifestyle of you. That not forgetting what you have heard, but actually doing it, then the outcome will be this. You'll be blessed in what you do. You'll be blessed in what you do. So let's look at this as takeaways then. If that's how he summarizes it, let's just break it down slowly. So first of all, he says, look intently into this perfect word, this perfect law. So do not glance at the word. Don't just look at it and then walk away. Look at it Look at it deeply, because when it says look intently, it actually in literal form would be to stoop down. When you stoop down, you're taking a closer look, and that's what he's saying. He wants you to stoop down, look at it more intently and deeply, and let it be a reflection upon you that you can begin to assess. What does this say about God, and what does this say about me? Because by that, he begins to do a work in you by his spirit. So we study this word. We don't just merely glance at it, we study it. We look intently, we let it be a reflection and a mirror upon our lives, and then we apply it. Because with that, we'll have direction to know how to apply. And then secondly, what does it say there? It says this word, when planted in you, gives you freedom. So receive the word as truth, that gives you freedom. When I talk to people that grew up in the church but are no longer in the church, when you talk to them about the word of God, they often will say things like, yeah, that's just a bunch of do's and don'ts that I just didn't always find was very applicable or relevant to me. Or for people that are, still going to church, but it's not like a, they're not really serious about it. It's really interesting when you talk to people that go to other churches. They start learning the reputation of your church versus their church. And often when it's a very high traditional church, when you tell them about the things that you're doing at your church that maybe is not so high and traditional, they will often say, yeah, we're not as serious about it as you guys are. Because the word of God is just something they hear, they get the liturgy and they walk away, it doesn't apply. So why is that the case? It's because we've deceived ourselves to think that we have more liberty and more freedom away from the word than we would if we're with the word of God. That's the deception. When you start to convince yourself, I have more liberty and I have more freedom if I'm apart from the word than I am when I'm with the word of God. And that couldn't be further from the truth. People that had grown up knowing about the word of God but never applying it, often get to to a place in life where their lives are such a mess, they start showing back up to church because they recognize the path wasn't great. They thought they had freedom and at first it felt like freedom because they're doing what they wanted to do. But what they found is that the freedoms they were choosing actually led them into bondage, into addictions, into regrets, into shame, into mistakes where brokenness starts showing up in relationships. Meanwhile, the word of God, as Jesus says, when in John chapter eight, he says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. When you've come into contact with the truth of God's word and you receive that word and you apply that word where then the lab of life shows, yes, this word knows what it's talking about, then you know that the life it authors is truly freedom, is truly liberty. And by practicing the word of God, We cement its place in our heart and mind. So look again in verse 25, it says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. And by continuing in it, they won't forget it because they won't forget something that they've actually practiced from what they've heard. They're actually applying it, they're doing it. So by practicing the word of God, we cement its place in our hearts and in our minds. I could care less to know the anatomy of a pig, but I know it. Not for all its detail, but I can remember a lot of it. You take away the lab, I couldn't tell you a thing. So too is the word of God. If you practice the word of God, where it's saturated in your life, you've heard it, you've stewed on it a little bit, you've figured out some things and you apply it, you will not forget it. It will become planted in you, both in your heart and in your mind. And then lastly, in verse 25, as it says, that as you continue in in practicing the things you have heard, you're gonna find that there's freedom and you're also gonna experience what it means to be blessed. You see, when you live a a life according to the word of God, you're gonna discover that a blessed life comes by living according to God's word. This is meant to be the mirror of your life, to help you know what is the truth about you and the truth about him, so that therefore you can live a life that is victorious and free, truly free. When you convince yourself you're better off without the word of God, you're already deceiving yourself. Yourself. This is the roadmap to life free with God. And where we live according to his word, he says, I will bless you. I will show your favor. And so when you begin to just allow the word of God to reflect upon your life a little bit, to see the truths of what you need to work on, he begins to bless the actions you take. Who wants to be outside the favor of God? Who would want to be outside his blessings? And James has learned that when you live according to his word and it becomes planted in you, there's blessing in that and there's freedom. Ultimately, what I enjoy the most about the word of God are the gospels. And the reason why that is true is because if you wanna know If God had the opportunity to show you by example how to live this life full and and filled with victory, all you have to do is look at Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the very template of what life victorious looks like. And he is truly the living word of God. In the beginning was the word And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing has been made that was made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And that light shines in the darkness And the darkness cannot overcome it. That's Jesus. He is the living word that the written word points to from beginning and end. And therefore, that's where we can find life that is truly free and truly has liberty and is truly blessed. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the author and perfecter and you desire to change our lives. You've given us this word so that we can reflect upon it and it reveals you, but also reveals who we are and therefore highlights what we need from you. So God and Jesus and Holy Spirit, would you work in our hearts this morning And allow this text to permeate us beyond just hearing. May it change how we even approach the word of God this week. That we may be better for it. The freedom it gives and the blessing it offers. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray.
1: Amen. Let's stand in response. Knowing that we have been promised an inheritance that cannot be shaken. Have an author and perfector that will overcome the darkness. Jesus
0: So if you came into this room not knowing Jesus, then the most important thing you need to hear is right now. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and he is the life we're speaking about. Through him, freedom can be found and he wants to change your life as he has been changing many of ours since we've given our lives to him. It's as simple as acknowledging that the flesh that we have, the sin that is easily entangling us, has separated us from God and acknowledging that we can't solve it on our own. But Jesus can. In fact, he's even paid for it, paid for the consequences that that sin brings upon us. We merely have to trust in his work. Let him become Lord of your life and trust in his sufficient work. And if you would like to talk to someone about that, we'll have people in the encounter room. uh, They'll be glad to pray with you. If you have anything else you'd like to pray about they'll be glad to do so. It's to my left and your right. To the rest of you that have known Jesus, that have been reading the word of God and been exposed to the word of God for your entire life, it may seem, or maybe just for the past few years, don't deceive yourself to think it's just good enough to open it read it check off the box and go for it let it permeate your heart let it be a reflection upon you gaze upon it deeply let god do corrective work inside of you so you can discover more and more freedom not more and more bondage amen, amen. so the final word i give you is this don't fear the mirror Don't fear the mirror. Let it tell you what is true so that God can do a great work in you. Amen. You are dismissed.